Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as He is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. God states in His Word that He would rise up ministries in the last days to do mighty exploits that would turn many to righteousness. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm praising the Lord, bro. Amen, amen. And, of course, with us, as always, as well, is Tony Palacio, the show's producer. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm doing awesome in the Lord. You know, praise God. We are continuing with our little series of us asking a question on our Facebook page. We actually asked on our Twitter and our Instagram as well for you guys to send us questions. The last episode, I think, went awesome as answering Eddie's question. And today, we're going to answer Gloria Sykes Marshall's question. I hope I'm saying that right, too. Some of the names I'm not so good with. But... You know, this is a question that gets asked a lot in a lot of different forms. So I'm going to ask her question, and then we'll kind of see where where it goes from there. But her question is, where does a believer's soul go upon death? Now, that's somewhat open-ended because I think that can lead us to a lot of different subjects. And the person right behind, right below them actually answered and said, the body and the soul are one, and when Jesus returns, he will resurrect us and give us a new body, which actually considers you would what we would call theologically a soul sleep and he believes soul sleep obviously the person who, who made that statement so joe where does the believer's body go and does it go into a soul sleep or i'm sorry the soul go uh absolutely not the bible doesn't teach soul sleep it does teach that you know the physical body you know is you know uh knows nothing but the scripture is very clear uh now it, it's really confusing the scripture is really clear, I believe, that you know, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That shows you that you can be absent from your body and present with the Lord. Paul talked about, you know, James says faith without works is dead, just like the body without the spirit is dead. So the body makes a distinction between the spirit or soul and the body. Sometimes the Bible uses the term spirit and soul, suke and pneuma, uh, suke, soul, and pneuma for spirit, uh, interchangeably. Other times, like in Hebrews 4, I believe, and in Thessalonians, it actually makes a distinction between the body, soul, and spirit, which is quite interesting. Uh, but it's interesting to me because Paul didn't just say that in 2 Corinthians 5.8, but he also mentioned in uh, Philippians chapter 1, around verses 21 through 24 or 5 there, he talks about how he's torn between two desires. One is to stay there and be with them, and one is to go be with the Lord. Obviously, he wasn't talking about his body being transported to heaven. You know, He's, uh, he's talking about his spirit going to be with the Lord. So the scriptures are very, very clear. Uh, that the spirit survives the body, uh, and we we know this in various texts. Maybe in a little bit we can break down uh, where some interesting, you know, there's some scriptures we have to rightfully divide the word. And it's like, well, what happened where? Because what happened to the soul prior to the cross is different than what happened to the soul after the cross for the believer. And a lot of most Christians don't understand that, and maybe we'll be able to talk about that a little bit. But uh, the cults generally, uh, the JWs, Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, a lot of the cults believe in soul sleep. Those who have cultic teaching, and there's different Seventh-day Adventists, there's some Seventh-day Adventists who don't embrace 
Ellen White as their prophet and don't believe they have to keep the law to be saved who are seeking Jesus, but there's others who are bound up by the Mosaic law. And, uh, you know, and, and they, and a lot of, you know, Seventh-day Adventists teach soul sleep as well. Uh, some professing Christians who are Orthodox in other areas believe in soul sleep. But the scriptures are clear. How can you read where Paul says, be absent for the body to be present with the Lord? Or you can, for, uh, Revelation chapter 6 talks about the souls under the altar. They weren't yet resurrected. They wouldn't be resurrected until the first resurrection. Uh, and they were giving flesh, the resurrected uh, flesh in Revelation chapter 20. It's called the first resurrection. Yet in Revelation chapter 6, verses, I believe, 9 through 11, Paul talks about, you know, th 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 that, you know, he talks about how they cry out, you know, day and night, saying, how long until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And he talks about the souls of those who had been slain. He talks about how they cried out. And then it's interesting in Revelation 20, it says those souls were, you know, brought to life physically as far as a resurrection. So this, the soul uh, is unclothed by the resurrection body until the first resurrection, which takes place at Jesus' coming. So you definitely see souls under the altar in Revelation chapter 6. And this is one of my favorite scriptures on this. And the reason it's one of my favorite scriptures says less than some of the scriptures I just mentioned, but it's just a, such a sublime, uh, for lack of a better term maybe, uh, passage because it's just so... It's such an exalted passage. It says, Paul, or Hebrews, it states, the Lord states in Hebrews, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. This is chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. To the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels. It's talking about who's in heaven. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Because those were, they were dead believers in the first century. And they're at Mount Zion in heaven. How do they get there if they're soul sleeping? Who are enrolled in heaven, and listen to this, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. There's the spirits of the righteous made perfect in heaven. The church, you know, those who had passed on. And, and guess what? You know, Paul would be there at a certain point, right? The mid-60s uh, during Nero's persecution. Verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and of the sprinkled blood, which speaks of better than the uh, things than the blood of Abel. I just love this whole passage. Hebrews 12 is so amazing. But it talks about the spirit... Spirits of just men made perfect. There's a lot of passages in the New Testament that, that, that reveal that the souls, the spirits of believers are with the Lord, you know? And I just uh, think it's it's quite clear. There's a lot of other passages we can go to, but I think that's enough to chew on as we pass this, uh, this subject around. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to this subject, I think what happens is, and, and sadly, it's actually soul sleep, even in Protestantism, somewhat is growing. And I see it online mm -hmm. a lot, and a lot of it also... People are getting away from eternal conscious torment. I mean, there's a lot of doctrines that get wrapped up in this question. Yeah, they, they kind of go together sometimes. And 100%. And they look at Old Testament texts, and they will say, oh, look, you know, the dead know nothing. So that, and that's what this guy was saying just now. Oh, the dead know nothing. So they, they really know nothing. They're just, they're just, they, they're just dead. And that's, that's it. That's true. The dead know nothing if you go to a graveyard and you dig up a grave, you know, which I don't encourage you to do. That'd be wrong. But they know nothing when it's speaking of the body. But there's many scriptures that speak of the spirit that leaves the body. And guess what? These souls under the altar know enough to pray to God. How long until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They haven't yet been resurrected. So they know quite a bit, but that's their souls. 
So you have to make a distinction. Sometimes people look at the scripture, they don't make a distinction between the body and the soul. God makes a distinction, and so should we. You got the rich man and Lazarus. And, yeah, we haven't even Luke gotten 16. there yet. I was going to get to that, yeah. actually. But That's a very clear one. But I think it is very clear because I think a lot of times people don't understand, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about this, the difference, you know, maybe about Sheol or the difference of Hades or Gehenna, hell, all these different places, the lake of fire, and how they can relate to one another and how they differentiate some some of which i would say um especially sheol and hades would be very very similar to one another yeah no that's a great question and that you parse it in that way as far as different distinctions of different places you know the bible talks about tartarus or a place that was used in the greek world uh for for as a spiritual realm and the bible uses that word uh as a confine just a, a greek word it borrows to give truth as regard to the confinement place of fallen angels you know uh you also have sheol and hades which I agree with you, Chad, they're uh, basically speaking of the same place. Sometimes Sheol is used of the common grave, uh, but there's other times like in chapter 14 of the book of Isaiah where it talks about how the, the rulers of the earth are there to greet you know, you know, Satan and talks about, or Lucifer, and how they'll rise up and say, you know, that you know, you've been made like weakened like unto us. You know, these are, these are rulers not in their bodies. They know something. They know that Lucifer has been made weak, you know, and that place uh, is interesting because Jesus and Tony, you kind of segued us into this. Uh, you know, there's a distinction going on between Hades East, as Walter Martin used to say, Dr. Walter Martin, and West. There's a chasm in between. We don't know if it's south and north or what, but, you know, he just used that as a metaphorically speaking. Jesus, though, when some of the cults will say, and others who aren't really maybe cultic in other aspects of theology, uh, We'll, we'll, we'll deny what Jesus taught there as being a reality. They'll just say, oh, well, Jesus is just, you know, giving an illustration. But what's he illustrating, you know? He used uh, a formal name, Lazarus. He doesn't do that in his parables, you know? And he's basically, what's he pointing out? He's pointing out that there's two places you go when you die. The rich man died and he went into uh, Hades, where he lifted up his eyes in torment. And he wanted deliverance from, you know, at least some comfort from Lazarus, who was on the other side of the chasm in Abraham's bosom which was also part of Hades. So Hades is just a term for the underworld. But there was a place of torment, very sad, for the rich man who was in torment. Uh, and he was able to converse in the midst of his torment. But then there was, and there was actually water on Lazarus' side because he says, have Lazarus dip his finger in water and come over and, and, and dip his, put it on my tongue, which I think is really interesting because Lazarus, when he was alive, could only get a little, you know, was scrapping for, you know, a crust, a piece of crust, you know, a table scrap. And now he's pleading, but Jesus, but Abraham says too late, you know, and that's why you want to make sure you're right with Jesus right now, guys. But anyway, so there's this, this. But I wanted to just, just backdrop that because I've heard this and I heard this today, listening to a teaching from somebody online who wrote a book on hell and he talked about mm. Luke 16 and, oh, you know, it's just a parable. And, you know, this is a lot of people like, this is just pagan beliefs. And, it, you know, the Catholic Church brought this in and people get their ideas from Dante's Inferno or whatever they come up with. But then I was no, reading. No, that's Jesus. I'm sorry. Not yeah, Dante. Amen. Yeah. And I was reading, well, what did the early church, I was thinking, what did the early church say? What would Irenaeus have said yeah. about this? And I actually, it's, it's somewhat of a long quote, but it works really well with what you were saying about the soul and about him feeling and all those things. This is what Irenaeus in book two of Against Heresies, chapter 34, he says, the Lord has taught with very great fullness that souls not only continue to exist, 
not by passing from body to body, but that they preserve the same from in their separate state as the body had to which they were adapted, and that they remember the deeds which they did in the state of existence, and from which they have now ceased. In the narrative which is recorded respecting the rich man mm-hmm. and that Lazarus who found the repose in the bosom of Abraham, in the account he states in Luke sixteen nineteen that the, the rich man knew Lazarus after death and Abraham in like manner, and that each one of these persons continued in their own proper position, and that the rich man requested Lazarus to be sent to relieve him, Lazarus on whom he did not formally know, but nonetheless, he sees this very, very clearly as what? Body is different than soul, That's right. which so does the book of Hebrews. Uh, body is different than soul, but also that these are actual people that he is talking about. This is the early church. Okay, we're talking second century. We're not talking about what did the what did the Catholics believe? We are talking about the early church and what they believed about this parable, that it was talking about a real person, that it was talking about having memory down there, and that guess what? Those are souls having interplay. Those are souls having conversations and memories and these things. And right. agony, by the way. This is literal, this is no joke, you know, it's very serious. Yeah, we kind of have this get this ethereal kind of picture in our mind, but we need to make sh- we need to realize that, you know, when you're talking about another realm, which is as real to them as this realm is to us, you know, and it's uh, it might be good to parse, you know, why what's going on there. I mean, yeah, how can I was going to ask heaven, you that. You, know? yeah. uh, you kind of did in your your first question, but I'm glad you brought up Irenaeus because, you know, he wrote against heresies and. He was, he's my favorite, I don't know, man, I go back between him and Justin Martyr, but he's actually my favorite, I've said that more than, I, when I say I've got a favorite church father, he's, he's a guy. Yeah, my second son is literally named after Justin, uh, Ju- Justice is his name, but Justin is surname. Justice Irenaeus is Yes, he got name. both of them in there, so real good, good, <laughs> good move. <laughs> yeah, Justin Martyr is amazing as well. Uh, and Hippolytus, Irenaeus, Tertullian, they all spoke strongly about the resurrection of the body, and so they were into discussing these types of issues. But it's, it's fascinating because prior to the cross, and this will help people hopefully understand, and, and you know, the whole point of this is to encourage believers to grow in their knowledge of God's truth. Uh, we're supposed to grow in the knowledge of His Word, and that's the knowledge of Him. It's His Word, and grow closer to Him. Uh, we're supposed to seek Him and be encouraged to seek Him and, and understand truth, and also uh, pull people out of the fire and realize that there's a lot of false doctrine going around, so... It's important to talk about these things, but it's important. You notice we don't just make a couple comments. We like to dive into the Scripture. and So we look at the Scripture and what it's talking about as far as the soul surviving the body and then different compartments and so forth. As you mentioned, Chad, what about these different compartments? We have Tartarus, a place of fallen angels. We have Abraham's bosom, which uh, was a place of the saints prior to Christ's death in the body, where they would go. Hence, Abraham, the father of the faith. And then there was uh, the other side, the other part of Hades, separated with a chasm, where the wicked dead would go. Uh, however, what about heaven? I mean... Some might be thinking maybe right now, wait, wait, you're talking about the spirits of just men made perfect that are in heaven and the souls under the altar and so forth. And how does that fit in? Well, that has everything to do with the gospel and Jesus coming and giving his life as a ransom for our sins. Prior to the cross, uh, you couldn't enter into the holy place, the holiest of holies, right? Tabernacle had that special holy holies, uh, the temple, the holiest place as well. And there was a great veil. And that was a picture of entering into God's presence. You know, and only the high priest could do it once a year. And uh, guess what? The veil in heaven, it says, was torn when Jesus died. Prior to Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus said, actually, he mentioned it two different times that I can think of. He talked about how no one had yet ascended to heaven, you know. Uh, 
No one ascended to heaven. You died. You didn't go to heaven yet. You know, there's no scripture that says so and so went and was you know in the presence of God in heaven uh, prior to the cross. Uh, the Bible talks about God taking people and so forth. But where did they go? Abraham's bosom. So we know it. Even Jesus, when he died on the cross after the resurrection, he told Mary to stop clinging to him because he says, "I've not yet ascended to the Father." Now Jesus came from heaven, but where was he if he was dead for three days and three nights? Was he soul sleeping? No. His spirit says he was put to death in the flesh. First Peter chapter three verses I believe eighteen through twenty says he was put to death in the flesh, whereby he was made alive in the spirit, and he went and preached the spirits that are now in prison that were disobedient in the days of Noah. I think I'm quoting that right. So if you go to that passage, he's made alive in the spirit when he was put to death in the flesh. We know he didn't go to heaven because after the resurrection he says, "Don't cling to me. I haven't yet sent to the Father." Where was he? He went and preached the spirits that are in prison. That's one thing we know that he did. And the spirits that are in prison that were disobedient in the days of Noah, some believe it's the wicked that were alive at those times. It doesn't say he preached the gospel to them right there. Uh, others believe, you know, he was announcing his victory to the fallen angels. The sons of God had relations with the daughters of men and believe it's speaking of angels in the context of Genesis, Genesis 6. That's another opinion. But either way, we know this. Jesus went and preached the spirits that are in prison. He announced his victory. So we do know this as well. Ephesians chapter 4 says that he ascended, first descended into the lower parts of the earth, right? And he set captivity uh, captive in his train. He set the captives free. So what's going on there? He had a train of people. He let, Well, because he paid for their sins. He had he had died for their sins. And when he died for their sins, guess what? They didn't have to be. It says, you know, in Hebrews 2, it talks about those who lived all their days, all their lives in fear of Satan with the power over death. So those who died in the faith, they still didn't have the opportunity to go into the heavenly kingdom until Jesus died. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn in two. And it talks. It says this in chapter 27 of Matthew. It says that some of the bodies of the dead rose. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they rose out of the graves and they went and greeted their family members in, in, in the towns. It's like, what in the world is going on there? And some people picture Night of the Living Dead. No, man, these bodies weren't crusty. These bodies weren't decaying anymore these bodies i mean they look better than than grand, they look better than the newborn babies as far as their skin probably I'm not saying they didn't have any dirt on them i'm not sure what it looked like but can you imagine that so these guys that was the first fruits you know jesus is ultimately the first fruits of the resurrection but that was an, that was a a picture of 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 what jesus had done and would do for the rest of the believers and i'm not saying they lived and they went to body to, to heaven the resurrected bodies i believed that they lived for a period of time uh they were reunited with their loved ones because we're still waiting the first resurrection. But Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry, is the first fruit of the resurrection. Yeah. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 15. So it's at that point, I think it's really heavy. Uh, um, most Christians don't even follow this, this, this narrative. because they don't. But if you piece the scriptures together, Jesus, what happened when he rose from the dead? When he appeared to the apostle John afterwards, years later in the Isle of Patmos, he said, I, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold my life forevermore, and have the keys of Hades and death. He has the keys of Hades and death. And he was able to let them go and say, hey, you know, your sins are paid for. I'm the Messiah that was to come. I paid for your sins. I'm not sure what he said exactly, but I'm saying, you know, uh, they came to an understanding that they could now... a proclamation of victory to them. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. He, he set the captives free in his train. He went to the lower parts of the earth. So he preached to the spirits that were disobedient in the days of Noah. Whatever believers, whatever believers were in the underworld at that time, he set free. So now, subsequent to the cross... Paul says, ask to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And that's my understanding of it. Uh, and I think it, it's very, very clear personally from Scripture. Uh, Jesus didn't have soul sleep either during yeah. those three days and three nights, you know. 
No, amen. And I, I think it's really interesting. And I actually love this subject, you know, really deep, deep diving into the scriptures, you know, concerning it. Because amen. you see text, and I'm sorry if you're King James only is, but some text just would not make sense. When you read about death and hell, hell being yeah. thrown into the lake of fire, when you see that the synonyms between hell and the lake of fire are so yeah. abundantly hell is lake clear fire. Hades without is the world. a doubt. So you understand... Why, with death and Hades being thrown into the lake of fire, Hades has already performed its duty. And I, I think you've given this analogy a number of times on Sunday messages. And guys, if you're not listening to our, our I mean, we got our live feed for Blessed Hope Chapel every Sunday, every Wednesday, 9.30, is it Western time or... <laughs> Pacific time. Pacific time. There we go. Nine uh, thirty on the West Coast. Nine thirty, and also at seven thirty on Wednesday nights, guys. And you can also also listen to it afterwards. You can listen to the podcast. We have the, the Blessed Hope Chapel podcast. But Joe really digs in, and this is a subject he's brought up a number of times. And the way he, uh, the analogy that he gives in terms of Hades, because as I said, the Bible is very clear in the Book of Revelation where it says that death and Hades, not death and hell, death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire because lake of fire is a synonym for hell, for Gehenna. Okay, So Hades has performed its duty. So it's the same as, as Joe would point out, it's the same as a somebody being locked up in jail awaiting their sentence to be locked up in prison. So currently right now people are locked up in jail just like the rich man waiting their sentence when their body will be resurrected and they will be judged and thrown into the lake of fire, which is their prison. And Joe, you've talked about this a number of times, and I think you were telling me a story, because we went to Uganda a number of years ago and, and shared the gospel. It's actually where I asked Holly, to my wife, to marry me. It was in Uganda on a mission trip, and I believe you gave this analogy at a, at a prison. Oh, actually, I'm thinking in terms of uh, the Philippines. Oh, the Philippines, even Remember better. we went to the prison there. I did not ask my man, wife to marry me We there. saw a lot of people come to Jesus uh, in the prison there, and man, I look at talk about a captive audience, right? I mean, <laughs> it's literally captive, and I love to use that. Uh, and, and Chad, you make a, a, a the point you're making is really important. Is that sometimes the Bible uses the Greek word Gehenna? Jesus talks about don't fear man who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul. In hell, the Greek word there is Gehenna, and he's referring ultimately to the lake of fire. Uh, there's other times where he uses the word Hades, like where the rich man and Lazarus went, which is a waiting. Uh, compartment, right? And so I'll use the analogy sometimes that the uh, that Hades is basically where you go now if you reject Jesus and you die in your sins uh, to await the final judgment. And that's a picture of like the county jail. So people go to the county jail and they'll wait X amount of time uh, for their sentencing and then they'll go to the federal penitentiary or the federal prison. And I, thought, I think, well, it's kind of interesting because that model is very similar to the biblical model which is Hades, you wait your final sentencing in Revelation chapter 20, then you're sentenced to the lake of fire and you're judged according to your works. Uh, so, uh, yeah, in the Philippines, I use that analogy and I, I, it never was more apropos than, because uh, the new president in the Philippines, he's not new anymore, been there a couple years now. Uh, he was throwing people in prison, he still is left and right. I mean, I'm not kidding, I've never seen anything like it. We got there right after he was elected and there were druggies that were turning themselves in. Because Philippines was being decimated by drugs, families, the whole society was being just basically destroyed, and people were fed up. And this guy was brutal. He wouldn't even allow a trial in many instances. Just have you, have you, have you killed? Have you? He's ruthless. I mean, on one hand, people loved him. Most people loved what he was doing because druggies were turning themselves in. But if you knew a druggie and and you could prove he was a druggie and you didn't have to prove it, 
and you put him to death, you know, you just drag his body out and they come and pick it up. And so when we went to the prisons, man, the jails, I should say, packed to the gills. I mean, it was like packed, they said, because so many people were turning themselves in. A lot of these guys won't even get a sentence for, you know, they'd say maybe a few years. And how many of these people are innocent? I felt bad how many people were falsely charged because people were out to get them. They got picked up and just thrown in there. So what's fascinating, though, is, is watching these guys. And I thought, you know, I'm going to use the prison analogy. And so I went into the scripture. I, I went to Revelation 20, where those whose names aren't written in the last book of life or the book of life be thrown in the lake of fire. And they'll be, you know, the dead are resurrected. And, 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 and death and Hades give up their dead. And Hades is the, is the temporary facility compartment where you're held until the sentencing to the final judgment. I said, guys, right now, you're like, this is like a picture of Hades. You're waiting your judgment until you get sent to the federal prison. Is that right? And I just mentioned to them that the difference is, is that once you're in Hades and you've rejected Jesus as Messiah, uh, there's no turning back. You guys have an opportunity. You might even go to prison. You might even die. You may even be executed. But you have an opportunity right now to get right with God and not go to Hades or go to the lake of fire and turn to Jesus right now. So he's at his opportunity. And I talked about how Satan is a prosecuting attorney. And it talks about, you know, he's accused of the brethren day and night, you know, mm. and that he hates you. And I said, the good news is that you have a defense attorney and he loves you. And the defense attorney is God's son. So when Satan accuses you, uh, we have an intercessor at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. And the good thing about it is he not only pleads for us, but he has the evidence that the price has been paid for your sins in, in the wounds that he bears as he pleads on our behalf. And the really good news is our judge, the Father, he hates the prosecuting attorney. <laughs> and he loves his son, you know. And his son paid the price, and he's a just God. And I encourage them to turn to Jesus, embrace him as the Lord and Savior. There's so all these hardened, and many of them, I don't know all their stories, but these hardened criminals, this ton of these guys, gave a salvation call to turn to Jesus. Everybody but two, maybe three people stood up and said they want to embrace Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you know. And it was awesome to see. So uh, praise God. Uh, there is definitely not only truth to what we're talking about, but these are truths that we should be sharing with the lost and encouraging the saved. And there is, a, there is life after death. And there's Jesus said that we resurrection of salvation and damnation. I look at people that way. You're either resurrection of salvation or damnation. I try to, I'm going to try to bring you over on the other side before it's too late. You know, it's really interesting that you're talking about a prison. And also, this text gets taken out of context because over and over again, you'll, you'll hear this text talked about in the sense of, oh, yeah, these are non-believers, but it's actually your brethren when Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25 about those that, that were naked, those that are in prison. Yeah, at least of these my brethren have done in me. And Exactly. Yeah. But I also think it's really important to point out, I know we're talking about soul sleep, I know we're talking about Hades, I know we're talking about a lot of these things, but also point out real quick from that text, it's very clear when it comes to hell, when it comes to Hades, we're talking about eternal conscious torment and yes. i think these texts no escaping it are so clear and i think for a number of reasons if we go to matthew chapter 25 in that text in verse 41 when it talks about separating them from the left and the right it says depart from me you who are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and remember also guys we just went over this last week concerning 
new converts not being built up into elders because they fall under the same condemnation as Satan. What does Mm -hmm. the book of Revelation tell us the condemnation of Satan looks like? Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Guys, this is the same exact... Guys, it's eternal conscious torment. You may not like it. You may think you're more humane than God because that's what you're really doing. And that's typically the argument I get online. Well, I tell if I tell people about this, then that'll, that'll really hurt their feelings. And you're using your experience and you're now putting yourself in God's place. That's what you're doing. And it's cowardly. I'm sorry. Because when I read these scriptures, when I see that text warning that you're going to have the same condemnation as Satan, I can't get around the verse at the end of this statement in Matthew 25, 46. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If you believe in eternal life, you must believe in eternal punishment. They're both and, described as Ionis, yeah. The same, Ionios, yeah. Also, by the way, Revelation 20.10 uh, augments your, your, your argument. is they're thrown where the, He's thrown where the beast and the false prophet are. They're still there, and they were thrown there a thousand years earlier. Earlier, amen. Just before that. Yeah. They're still there. The literal it's millennium. sad, but it's real, and we've got to be true. Amen. Amen. It is sad, but also we need to always remember whenever we start placing our moral fiber and moral content and our ideas and our philosophy above that which God has ordained and that God has made clear in his word, we're the ones that are mistaken. Praise the Lord. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. To learn more about the ministry, please visit us at goodfight.org, where we feature articles, videos, and life-changing resources on DVD and CD. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us in continuing to deliver powerful biblical content, won't you consider visiting our support page at goodfight.org? Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062, or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.